KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. All right, Barry Marks and in for Bruce and Pamela. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you had a good holiday yesterday. Getting ready. You hearing this? You're not even hearing it. The Attorney General is here, Mark Burnovich. Bong's <laughs> band. Welcome, everybody, to the breakfast show. That's right. We've got the... The Attorney General asked for his own his own music introductions when he comes in. Yeah, so like walk up music. It's like being a baseball player, you know, and uh, <laughs> coming right. up to the plate. That's baby. Right. I got to uh, hear some good tunes. We got some special stuff for you. So Mark Burnovich is here, Arizona's Attorney General. Happy to have you. Did you have a Merry Christmas? Oh, it was great. It's it's uh, always great to have friends and family around. And actually, got to go to the in laws last night for dinner. So. Ah, that's nice. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> it, I'll tell you what, we were there for three hours. It felt like three minutes right. underwater. Oh. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Oh, wow. oh I'm just kidding. Oh. Well, today oh. should be fun at home. That'll be it'll be fun to go back home now. That's good. It's all good. Look at you. Actually, you know what? I, in fact, I, as you see, Barry, I brought my daughter with me today, and you know, she started college, which is um, uh, which which is great, but uh, so expensive these days. And you know, it's funny. She was telling me a story, right? She came home, so she's on you know Christmas break here, and she was telling me about one of her professors right before the break said, "Well, you know, this is the time of year that we need to make sure that we concentrate on." you know, people that give to others. And this time of year, especially here we are in December, we need to focus on a jolly old white haired man who's going to bring us all sorts of presents. And I said to my daughter, I said, wait a minute, you guys are talking about Santa Claus at college. And she said, no, no, no. He wanted us to vote for Bernie Sanders. Oh, <laughs> is that a real story? That's no, no, as no, far no. as the listeners are concerned. It is. <laughs> okay. No, all right. Oh, you don't think there's some crazy left wing bias oh. on campuses today? Very. All right. Well, my, my sister and brother-in-law are in town and they're both uh, college uh, professors out in the Midwest, and uh, yes, there's a lot of crazy... Now, they don't do it in class, but yes. they're, we had, we've had long political discussions already this, uh, this week with them. It's been, it's been three minutes underwater. So, in any case... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Welcome home, baby. Yes. All right. So, speaking of universities, though, uh, give me the update. I, I know you, you had the suit against the Arizona Board of Regents, ASU, with what's going on with the, the hotel there and the, the tax situation. What's the current status of that well, suit? I, I, would love to put some of this in context, but we have two ongoing lawsuits, as you know, against the regents of our state universities. What has happened is the regents have basically become rubber stamps for the higher education establishment here. And so Arizona is actually now number one in the entire country for public universities when it comes to tuition increases. Um, We have seen tuition go straight through the roof, um, which is really not only unfortunate because it's making it harder for hardworking middle-class families to be able to afford college for themselves or their kids, but at the same time, we have a constitutional provision, Barry. We believe in the rule of law, right? The Constitution says higher education Education is supposed to be nearly as free as possible. Nearly free as possible. And so what the Regents have basically done is um, done nothing to address that problem. And instead, they keep coming up with all these wacky proposals. For example, you know, they voted to allow in-state tuition for people that didn't have legal status here. We actually sued them. We went at the Court of Appeals three to nothing because there's a voter-protected proposition that says the voters here approved it by nearly 70%. They don't want tuition for people that don't have legal status. And what did the Regents do after we went at the Court of Appeals? They voted the next week to continue to give in-state right. tuition, so we had to take it to the Supreme Court, where we won 7 nothing. And during the course of that, I realized that there's no accountability, and there's this whole higher education industrial complex where, you know, the university, for example, ASU is paying $1 million for, you know, Michael Crow to be on the New America Foundation Board, and they're doing all this kind of stuff, and no one's asking, wait a minute, why has tuition gone through the roof and inconsistent with the Constitution? And then once you start digging, you start seeing things like this omni hotel deal, where you have an out-of-state 
hotel chain, a multi-billion dollar hotel chain, where the university is literally giving them tens of millions of dollars of subsidies to build a hotel right on, uh, you know, Mil- right near Mill Avenue, right. where there's already hotels being built. And so the universities now have become, the p- they pick the winners and losers in the marketplace. And if you want to know, if the listeners want to know whether you're a Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, this is an issue that c- should concern everybody. Because what this is about is a power structure where somebody is completely unaccountable to the voters, to the taxpayers, and has created an empire. And yeah. so when I see you know, the university touts that Michael Crow now has been nominated as one of the top 10 business leaders in the state. Only person that's in, you know, works for the public. We pay for his million dollar salary or whatever it is these days. It's like that should be troubling to people because it's a public entity. I mean, the mayor of Phoenix shouldn't be the number one business leader of the year. Um, the, the president of a public university should be focusing on providing a good quality education at a price or at a cost that's nearly free as possible instead of trying to be the business leader of the year. And as you know, Barry, part of the reason why we filed those lawsuits, the biggest, the biggest real estate transaction action Arizona history was was done by ASU. And so they're doing this thing where they're basically renting out their tax exempt status. So it means it means less money for K through 12 schools. And then we're on the hook. And and don't even get me started. We haven't filed lawsuits. But you know, you've got just this last week in the Arizona Republic, there was a story about the president of the Zocalo or the, yeah. the leader of the Zocalo thing that's been accused of, you know, sexual harassment, other improprieties. There was an investigation report that found that they were substantiated. And Guess what? As far as I know, he's still an employee of the university. And and the fact that no one's asking, no one in the media, and no offense to, to you or anyone else, <laughs> we but no, one in the media, no, no one's asking, Barry, why, is, why isn't someone saying, wait a minute, why does ASU have buildings in downtown Los Angeles? Why are they buying properties in Washington, Washington D.C. Yeah. while tax dollars are going through? Can I, I, let me just say one quick thing. <laughs> one quick thing. <laughs> one quick thing. This is called a filibuster, brother. I'll be right back. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> right, I'm going to start a new show. Um, no, but, but listen. Listen to this quote, right? Listen to this. This is a, this is a quote that said, uh, I want you, the listeners should guess who this is. This is the leader of Russia, leader of China, Venezuela. Who is this? That said, we are now excited to be taking part in the resurgence of downtown Los Angeles. Not only does the building illuminate the city's history dating back more than a century, we look forward to our presence there to play an important role in adding to Los Angeles' downtown intellectual culture and economic vibrancy, blah, blah, blah. We're creating, um, we're going to work with our strategic partners to participate in critical issues facing the nation's second largest city. You know what president that was? Got to be Michael Crow. It was Michael Crow. <laughs> so there you go. There's your tax dollars hard at work building and trying to um, create more diversity in downtown Los Angeles. Right, so me- and someone, Barry, bless it. The regents are asleep at the switch. Someone needs to start asking these questions. So just very quickly, what is the status of the tuition lawsuit? Because that's the one where we have a constitutional provision, yes, so we, nearly we, free as possible. Tuition is now around $11,000 right. a year for, for in-state residents. We, the, that lawsuit actually is, um, we have filed an appeal at the state Supreme okay. Court. So there was an issue regarding the standing. There's an issue. The universities have hired you know these attorneys from Perkins Cooey, and if that sounds familiar, that's the law firm that was responsible for the Steele dossier. Um, you know, <laughs> no, seriously. So, I mean, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but... Uh, <laughs> All right, they're, come they're on. They're counsel. No, anyway. I know. Their so, local, local lawyers are... are, are 
okay, but go ahead. Yes. Well, anyway, so <laughs> the, the, the point, though, is, is that they've tried to get this dismissed on procedural grounds because yeah. they don't want to hear it. So they say the AG doesn't have the ability to bring these lawsuits. And, and the reality is, is that if the attorney general can't sue to protect Arizona taxpayers, then who the hell can? And that, that's right. a real issue. If I can't hold other government entities accountable, who can? And really, I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about the proposition. And that's why I'm actually very proud that just recently, four former AGs, Arizona AGs, both Republican and Democrat, filed an amicus brief um, saying that we should this lawsuit regarding tuition should allow yeah. it to be move forward. The attorney general's office has to be the last stop. If, if you're not there to protect Arizona uh, Arizona citizens and make sure the Constitution is being protected, then who is? Wh- whatever your position on this issue is, the attorney general has to have standing to bring that sort of a suit. Right. So. And that's why, you know, Barry, you've heard me say this. Um, I always look at myself as being the, the people's lawyer. I am. I'm the last stop. And that's why some of the things that I'm so proud of is that we've recovered a record amount of restitution to Arizona voters. You know, we've sued companies. Companies like Volkswagen, we've been we haven't been afraid to take on yeah. you know tough, powerful interest, and that's because a lot of times people don't have anywhere else to go. So, so it's, it's got to be us. It's got to be the AG office has to. The attorney general has to have the ability to take on big, powerful interests, even if those interests are the universities themselves. All right, the attorney general is with us, Mark Burnovich. He's live with us in KTAR. And uh, can you hang on for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I just got started. Take baby. a breath. Maybe get a sip of water. Yeah, breathe. We're gonna we'll get some updates from news. John Roller is here with the headlines. I'm gonna come back. I'm I want to ask you for the status of the rideshare issue at Sky Harbor Airport, the Uber Lyft issue that I know is uh, being put in your office now, and also a little bit about data privacy. And if we can get to it, Arizona just brought a case before the Supreme Court, right, on a death penalty case. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. All right, Barry Markson back with you on KTAR. The Attorney General is with us, Mark Burnovich, and uh, let's see if we can get to a few things here before I know you got to go. And uh, But let's let's talk a little bit about this rideshare thing, Uh that's happening down at the airport. Everybody's been talking about this. The city of Phoenix through the airport uh, has assessed a $4 fee on uh, people being dropped off or picked up by Uber and Lyft or the rideshare programs. And I know a legislator has asked the attorney general's office to look into this, which is now required by law. If asked, the office has to look into it. Where are we in that process? Yeah. Um, Nancy Bartow did indeed file a, a formal request with our office. And what happens is that starts the clock ticking. And so our office will have 30 days to uh, issue a decision about whether or opinion about whether it's it does violate the Constitution, it might violate the Constitution, or it doesn't violate the Constitution. And so those are the options, and depending on what the office decides, that sets another clock going. And so basically, our our opinion or our decision will be done um, on January 17th. That's when the 30 days will run, and we'll have, a, we'll have an opinion, we'll have a decision out before then. We will make a request from the city of Phoenix for additional information to clarify okay. you know, what's going on, and you know, I, I think we've heard several different reasons as to why they did or didn't do what they do, and so we'll get that information and we'll evaluate it, and you know, we'll make our decision. But at the end of the day, and I, I've said this all along, is you know, when you're the people's lawyer, you're on the side of the taxpayers, um, you, need, you, know, you need to make sure you're doing everything you can to hold whoever it is accountable. Well, and it's interesting because it's not just this issue with ride sharing, but there are all sorts of fees, I'm putting my little quote fingers up, but fees that have been assessed by different government municipalities, different governments. And the decision could affect a lot of those, right? Yeah, it's it's going to be very – that's why we're going to be very thorough with this decision because I think – we appreciate how much scope and the consequences of this, because as you said, you know, there, there's all sorts of fees, assessments that are being done by the cities, the towns. And so, um, yeah, this is broader than about just that, you know, the, what, what they did with Uber. I mean, this will have ramifications throughout. 
All right. Mark Brnovich is with us here at KTR. Let's talk a little bit about this case that Arizona just brought before the U.S. Supreme Court. It was a death penalty case. Um, and these are always just awful stories. I mean, this is back in 1991 when this happened. It's been dragging on that long. Um, I know the argument was something to the effect of uh, he had post-traumatic uh, condition at the time and that wasn't brought out earlier. And now it should be considered in whether or not he can uh, he should, his appeal should be granted. Yeah, this is the classic case, Barry, of opponents of the death penalty trying to find reasons to just stop the death penalty because they're opposed to it. Yeah. Um, so they always come with reasons. So the, the procedurally, it is a little complex because there was this issue dealing with PTSD and whether that was properly considered or not. And then there was the issue of there's a ring case that was several years before about the fact that a jury has to sentence someone to death. Um, so this was an instance where the Arizona Supreme Court reviewed the circumstances and they once again you know, said that he he should be executed. He he does deserve to die. There was no doubt on the fact that he committed these heinous crimes, murdered multiple people. It's been nearly three decades. Um, but one of the big issues was now at this point whether a jury, whether the the death sentence part of it was overturned, not the factual part, but the death sentence part is overturned, and whether we have to go back and have a jury hear all this evidence again and sentence him to death. And I've always said that this is absolutely ridiculous because. Justice delayed is justice denied, and the victims deserve some closure. Yeah. I mean, you're going to bring, you're going to try to bring back witnesses and all the stuff from three decades ago. It's really not fair. It's, and we focus so much, fo- the, the, these folks that are opposed to the death penalty focus so much on the defendants, they forget that there's victims, there's victims' families, there's all these other consequences, and people want closure. They want yeah. justice. It's such a, it's such an awful story. But I mean, again, back in 1991, 28 years ago, and it's they broke into a house, two people there shot the guy in the back. Of the head and and stole one hundred and twenty dollars. I mean, just the whole thing is just ridiculous. And here we are, twenty eight years later, still arguing about whether the right. sentence should be enforced. And once again, the important thing is is that there was no doubt. There was no doubt no, as to guilt it. and innocent. Yeah. And in fact, our office just the week before had filed an amicus brief on behalf of you know a dozen plus states uh, supporting the federal government's ability to start re-executing people. And the first guy on the list whose execution was delayed was a white supremacist that brutally right. murdered a family, you know, kidnapped a girl and. And there's, once again, no doubt as to his guilt. And we're sitting here arguing whether the drug cocktails they're going to use to execute him, you know, whether it should be this cocktail or this drug or that drug, you know, and, and the opponents of the death penalty have made it so hard to get the drugs to, to execute people quickly. Then they complain that, well, it's taking too long to execute them. So, <laughs> right. you know, I don't know. You know, this is one of those things that if you're against the death penalty, then you should be intellectually honest and say, you know what, we shouldn't have a death penalty. But all these games where we're tying up the courts, whether it's the state courts, whether it's federal courts, you know, going back and forth on these appeals. So we're dealing with them years later. I mean, there's a um, uh, there, there's a girl down in Tucson, um, and she was brutally kidnapped and killed by a pedophile who had been previously previously convicted. And that case happened in the mid '80s, Barry. And we're still arguing about wow. whether that guy should be executed or not. I'm not even going to say his name because he's a degenerate criminal. And you know, at the end of the day, that family deserves justice. I've sat down with, with these families. I've sat down with murder victims, and. It, it, it's absolutely heartbreaking, and they deserve a sense of justice. And yeah. People keep forgetting about the families and the victims. Yeah, and it's look, there's a difference when there might be some questions about guilt. There's a difference in, in some cases, but in these cases where that's not the issue, it's just whether or not the sentence should be carried out. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't take this long. It's, 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 it's delaying tactics, and yeah. they're, they're focusing on the wrong people. Talk to me. You said earlier some stuff about the consumer protection and some of the settlements you've had with some big companies, but uh, tell me a little bit, how does that happen in the office? Like if I, So if I'm getting a, a, like robocalls, and I don't want that is there a number i can call up the attorney general's office for to, to help get help with that how does that work yeah i'm since i'm very 
proud, and this is like a double-edged sword, I guess, but I'm very proud since I'm an attorney general. We've seen more people calling our office or emailing our office to complain about you know being ripped off or scammed. And so this last year, I think we got like 17,000. So people will either call or their email. You can go to www.azag.gov. There's a form online. It's bilingual. You can fill it out and submit a request and a complaint. And what happens is our consumer protection people, you know, we try to work through those issues. Like sometimes it might be someone will write in or call saying, hey, this air conditioning company ripped me off, whatever. And we'll try to you know, get the other side story and see what happens. Sometimes it's a contract dispute, nothing we can do. But if we see a pattern, if we start seeing like multiple complaints, same kind of fact pattern against a certain entity or company or individual, um, then we will use the power of the state and we can either look at it civilly or criminally. And so, you know, recently we got an injunction against, um, you know, a vacuum cleaning company that was ripping off seniors in Sun City. It was something that really wasn't reported that much. Yeah. But they were calling them and um, going and basically getting them to buy things they didn't need or making misrepresentations as to what the product would do. So if people think they're being ripped off or something's happening, they should go to azag.gov yes. and report it. Because even if it's just you think it's just mine, no one's going to listen. If they if you get several reports like that, right. at some point it gets looked into and somebody checks it out. Right. That's absolutely. great. And absolutely. Great. And, you know, and you know, our office has been involved with, I've worked with other AGs, both Democrat and Republican, uh, you know, to support the shake and stir, you know, the the, the, the SAFE Act or the, the congressional legislation dealing yeah. with um, blocking robots calls, which is obviously something that's very... That should, be, that should be the death penalty. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the death penalty. That's Mark Burnovich, thanks for being here. The Attorney General of Arizona. That's it. It I'm goes fast. Up, it goes Come fast. On. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you thanks, being Barry. here. Always a pleasure, brother. <laughs> Coming up, who would you save? If it's a, your dog or a stranger, who would you save if you could only save one? We're going to tell you the results of a little Twitter poll we did and get your thoughts on that as well. I'm Barry Marks, and in for Bruce and Pamela. Stay with us, folks. It's KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. All right, I'm Barry Marks, and uh, sitting in for Bruce and Pamela today, uh, it's December 26th, day after Christmas. Hoping you're having a good holiday season. You had a Merry Christmas yesterday. Hopefully not too many fireworks set off around your house last night. We'll see <laughs> We'll see how that plays out over the next week. Uh, but this this next uh, issue, we, this is just amazing to me. Um, and it's... It's really talking about our love of dogs, right? Our love, a love, our love of our pets, and there have been studies on this now. But the the basic question is, if you were faced with a situation where somehow you had to choose between your dog and a and a, and a person, your dog and a human being, but you love your dog and you don't know the human being. Who would you save, whether it be a drowning situation or a bus coming right at you? Who would you save if you could only save one, your dog or a person? And what's amazing to me is, I mean, for me, and I have a dog, and I love my dog. I do. I love my dog. But if the choice was my dog or a person I don't know, I'm saving the person. There, there really isn't much to think about there. I can't say there's not a hesitation or a moment of thought thinking, oh, my God, my dog. But there's a difference to me between a human life and a dog life and an animal life. And I'll tell you just from a just as an aside in Arizona for example, a dog is seen as your pet is seen as property. That's the law in Arizona. If you if somebody hurts your dog, the most you can recover from that is the value of the dog. You can't get more than that. So if What you, is the value of a dog though? Well, how do you calculate how, that? How let's say you have a 3-year-old uh 
golden doodle that you got from a breeder. I'm sure there's some value to that dog as opposed to a, a mutt that was taken out of a shelter. There's there's value. It's like property. It, it's a, it sounds awful. I, I know this sounds awful, but like I'm telling you. Like insurance companies would... Yes. Pay you back for the death of your dog? Not no. Well, not the death of your dog, but well, let's let's say I mean, worst case, let's say you're riding your bike and you're drunk and you're doing something stupid and you run into a dog and you kill my dog. The most I can get, I'm going to be emotionally upset. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be all these things that I might otherwise be able to get money for. But because it's a dog, all I can get is the value of the dog from you, from your insurance company. That's how we value pets here. But that's an aside. So the question here is, if you have your dog, and in this situation, it's a dilemma. It's your dog and a person you don't know, and one of them is going to die. You can save one, but only one. What would you do? And we posed this question earlier. Steve, you put it on Twitter, right? I mean, it's, this is not scientific by any means, but what was the, what were the results of your Twitter poll? Well, first of all, small sample size. We didn't get a ton of votes on this, but on the Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes show Twitter account, I posted, you can only save one. Who are you saving? And the two options are a stranger, and your dog. Right. 73% of people said they would save their dog. Their do- they'd save the dog and let a person die. Three quarters of people said they would I, save their dog I am just, over I am, a stranger. I am just flabbergasted by that. Now, if you're looking around going, well, he loved their dog and it's a member of the family, okay, but imagine if you're the stranger and the person saves a dog. It's a dog. I... I can never understand this. It's it is an amazing part of human nature nowadays that we love animals really in many cases more than we love people. That we would protect our dog more than an actual person, a human being is something that I will never ever understand. And we see it we see it all the time even in the summer here when bad things happen inevitably there's somebody a, a child will die but drown in a backyard pool, they get into the pool or and a dog will die because the owner left it in a hot car outside in the sun and here in Arizona. And the dog story will go on for a week with people upset and they're wringing their hands and when people are crying and the kid story is gone in a day. And it, it just people just really feel for these animals. It's it's an amazing thing. So Steve, I'm going to ask you again now. Who would you save? You have you don't have a dog right now, but when you had a dog, you love your dog. Oh yeah. Who who would you save, a dog or a stranger? The first time you asked me this, I hesitated. Yes. Notice it. It was uncomfortable, Steve. And I'm going to say. And in this scenario, well, this dark scenario you've painted for us, we, I don't have time to hesitate. We don't We don't want to tell everybody this, but when I posed the question to you at first, it was your dog or Tommy. And and that was when you th- really thought about it for a That's while. That's not Which true. I thought was awkward. But all right, so go ahead. So my, who would, my dog or a stranger. And I, I hesitated, but I said, you got to get the stranger. You're still hesitating, even as yeah, you say no, it. And I understand people that feel that way. I don't quite understand the people who would rather save a dog life than a human life. That doesn't really register with me, but I understand the hesitation behind you have a relationship with this dog. No, you talked about your dog in your family is a member of your family. Yeah, no, look, we love our dog. Our dog is phenomenal. The dog- and that's why I get it to some extent, the hesitation. But, if, but, but I don't understand going to the full length of saving the dog over a human being. I asked that question of uh, Jeff Munn. We talked about that before the show today, and uh, Jeff was hosting the morning news this morning, and Jeff has a dog that's part of his family, and, and, and he said, without hesitating, I would save my dog and, and, and let someone else die. I, I, I'm just shocked by that. I just am, and I, I get it. I get how we love our dogs. I get how you come home and the dog's happy every single time and there to greet you and he's so excited to see you. I mean, look, using this logic, I, I would save the dog before my kids. My kids don't jump up and run up to see me when I come home anymore. It's it's insane. Chris tweets the show and he says, the person is a stranger, dog, not even a second thought. 
You'd save the dog not even a second because you don't know the person? That's what Chris is saying. So we are so devaluing human life in our society right now that we would save the dog. Or are we so? is it just so narcissistic or personal that it's what affects us more? A stranger, don't know the stranger, let him die. It's a selfish act. It is. It's an to incredibly save, selfish act. To save act. the dog would be extremely selfish. What if it was a cat? Would you save the cat? That's an interesting question. I was thinking about that, too. If Does the animal determine like the type of animal does that affect how you feel about the scenario yeah it's it's absolutely amazing what if you didn't know the dog what if you're just choosing between a dog and a person you don't know either one which one do you save then Certainly the human being. You think so? Well, the studies that are out there now don't always show that. If it's your dog, it's much more. If it's a dog, there is still a percentage of people who will save a dog before a person if they're both strangers. I think people are just obsessed with dogs. If they're both strangers. Uh, yeah, there's there's really no question about it. Uh, women, by the way... Um, <laughs> By the way, more likely to save the dog. I don't. What is happening, Steve? We're- you know, somehow I get that. <laughs> somehow I get with the amount of dog pics I get sent to me by you know girlfriends or Ugh. sisters or whoever. You know, I get that. Is your girlfriend going to be upset that you, if you say you'd save a person over her dog? Well, here's the thing, though. The story that you posed was actually wasn't it the man's wife? Yes, was the person, and he had to choose between his wife or a dog or their dog. Well, it was a real life story. They were out on a small boat, a small yacht. The yacht capsized. I mean, so they had to, they had to get off the yacht, and she sounds got, like a great yacht. And she way. got caught. Yeah, she got caught on something, some one of the lines or something like that. So she was above water, and I guess was kind of okay, but was caught. And the boat was going down, and she's caught on one of the lines attached to the boat. But didn't the wife say? The wife get said, the dog. "Go get the dog first. So he did it. He went and got the dog, brought the dog to safety, and got back. And the wife was still alive. Now, for a second, you thought I was going to say something else, right? But could you imagine if you save your dog and then your wife goes down with the ship? How could you? How, how is that possible? How is it possible? Don't you think somebody who saves their dog and lets a stranger die, wouldn't that haunt them forever? That they could have saved a human life and didn't do it and they let the human per- the, the person die? Yeah, see, I wonder if the people who responded with, I would save the dog on, like, let's say, our Twitter poll, yeah. or even just talking about it. I wonder if they would feel differently given the actual scenario. If you were actually there in person, I, I would think it would be way too difficult to just... I mean, it's easy to click the button on Twitter. I yeah. would save my dog. But it's so much more difficult to actually make that decision. I'll tell you that, it, that there have been studies that have done this, both anecdotal and actual real studies, um, including Dennis Prager, who does this. He teaches classes. He's been doing it since 1970. And he asked that question, who would you save if they were drowning a dog, uh, your dog or a, a drowning stranger? And a third of the people always say a dog. It, it's oh, a third of the people, uh, a third say a dog, a third say a stranger, and a third say they don't know what they would do. That's that's the society that we're living in right now. The formal study that did it, 40% of people said they would save their dog over another person. And 46% of women voted to save their dog over a foreign tourist. Now, see, but these studies wow. these studies are just asking them, which would you choose? What they should really do is stick a dog in a person in, in like a burning room <laughs> really, and just really see which one it. they save. <laughs> they should just really go out there and see if anybody can They're die. Like cardboard cutouts about right. real people. Right. Now we know why... Well, we know why Steve is not a uh, scientist. All right, coming up next, do you own a car that has any sort of autonomous driving or driver assist or brake assist, things like that? Well, there's an Arizona legislature wants to create a new law that can ticket you if you do something to your car. We're going to tell you about that when we get back. Stay with us. It's the Bruce St. James Pamela Hughes Show. I'm Barry Markson sitting in on KTAR. Arizona's news station. 
KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Hi, Bruce and uh, Pamela. Taking a little time off for the holidays. Good for them. Hope you are as well. I'm Barry Marks and filling in. A little day after Christmas uh, stuff going on here today. And uh, thanks to Mark Burnovich for joining us just a little bit earlier this hour. You can check that out. Of course, on the, the podcast, the Bruce St. James Pamela Hughes podcast, you can find that at KTAR.com and uh, hear all parts of the show, including going back. And um, that's usually brought to you by Novacure. So hopefully you took care of that today. Hey, uh, if you own a car, uh, or and if you don't, you will soon. But if you own a car that has any of those extra safety features, now you know what I'm talking about, right? Like not, not necessarily a self-driving car like a, a Tesla, which has a lot of these things, but a lot of cars now have brake assist or things that beep and let you know if you're getting too close to the car in front of you. There's lane assist. Um, you know, my son has a Honda Civic, and it has a lot of these types of, of technology, uh, safety technology on the car now. I mean, this is a much more common occurrence, and it will be going forward. Um, if you turn Turn off that, those uh, – in some ways, you can turn off those safety devices. And even if you can't turn them off, there's ways to suppress them. Um, and there's an Arizona legislator, John Cavanaugh. He's out of Scottsdale and Fountain Hills. And John Cavanaugh has, has proposed a law, a bill, uh, that would make it illegal if you do anything to turn off or to – work around the safety features on your car. So he's not saying your car has to have the safety features. He's saying if it has the features and you do something to take to, to turn those off or to get around them, that's against the law. You should get a ticket for that. And, you know, look, my normal thing is, hey, less government regulation, less government. If I don't if I have a car and I don't want to have the thing beeping at me or breaking, if I get too close to a car in front of me, I should be able to turn that off. Right. It's my car. It's my property. I'm driving. I'm the one in the car. Why can't I turn that off? And my guess is, John Kavanaugh, who's a conservative lawmaker, his response would be, well, you're not just affecting you. And this, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm putting words in his mouth. <laughs> but it's not just you that's involved here. It's the public at large, right? If you have something in your car that keeps you, that would break if you get too close to a car in front of you, you're about to rear-end another car, the car will automatically break. It'll stop or at least slow you down a lot to make that collision less severe. And you turn that off. So that now you rear-end that car, should you be liable for that? Should there be an enhanced level of either criminal or civil liability because you had technology in your car that could have avoided or lessened the accident, that could have avoided or lessened the injury to another person, and you didn't do it? And so there's a lot going on here. This is just a traffic ticket, I think, is what John Kavanaugh is pro- proposing. But there's a lot more going on here. And I was involved in a case a few years ago uh, where I represented a corporation that was just involved in this. And the, the, there's a huge accident. is on one of our local freeways. A driver of, a, of this vehicle rear-ended another car. 70 miles per hour. It was very, very bad. Very, very bad accident. And the plaintiff, the person who was injured, the family that was hurt in this accident, they didn't sue the driver for her own negligence. They sued the manufacturer of the car and the company that initially purchased the car, saying you failed to make the car and then purchase a car that had available safety features on it. So on this particular vehicle, if you bought it at a more expensive trim level, the higher level of the same model, you would have had all the safety equipment on it, all the safety technology. But they didn't. They bought it at the lower uh, trim level, and none of it was there. And the lawsuit basically said, if you know this safety equipment's there, and you're going to put this car out into the commerce, you're going to put it on the roadway with the public, you have an obligation, a duty, to put those safety features on it. 
if they're available. Not to come up with something that doesn't exist, not to come up with something that's not made for this car. But if you have it available, which they did, it's there, and you don't put it on the car, you're now financially responsible for what happened in this accident. It's a very unique cause of action. Um, lawyers have done that in the past with uh, with uh, airbags and, seat, and even going back to seatbelts, that if you had seatbelt technology and you didn't put it in cars, are you responsible when people don't you know get hurt more because of it? Doesn't that then raise the cost of the car? Well, it does. And that's for why... The, for the consumer. And that's probably why you don't like the government dictating how much you're spending on a car. Well, and that's exactly right. It's a very, that was a very interesting case, I thought, to say that, because otherwise the car was completely legal. I mean, it was a good car. It was purchased brand new. It was manufactured well. It met every federal safety guideline. It just didn't have this new fancy technology on it. Um, but the question here that's being posed by, by Representative Kavanaugh and, and now in Arizona is, should there be, should there be, that, by the way, that's a sound that my brain makes when I have an idea. Should there be a law that says if that safety equipment is on your car and you'd fail to utilize it appropriately or do something to get around it, you're, that's, you're now criminally liable. Should that be the law? And if that's the case, I'll take it to the next step. If, I, if you get in an accident, if you're driving your car that has collision avoidance safety on it or braking on it, and you get in an accident, you rear end the car in front of you, and you, turn, you had turned off that safety equipment, and that equipment could have and most likely would have avoided the accident or absolutely reduced your speed a lot so the accident would have been less severe. If you turn that off and the person in front of you is injured severely, should there be, number one, criminal repercussions for this? You'd be charged criminally because you've you've taken safety things away that would have saved that person. And if not criminal, should there be enhanced civil penalties? Should it be considered a punitive damages situation, almost like drunk driving, that you took, you had something in your car that would have made your car safer, that would have avoided this accident? You purposely took it off. You turned it off. And then the accident happens. Should you be more responsible for extra damages punished, in essence, even if it's civilly as a result of that? Steve, what do you think about that? Uh, it seems, the way that you pose it, it's a strong case. I think that you and Representative Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh sound like you agree on this. What's interesting to me is he's proposed this as sort of like a Tesla thing because he has a Tesla, is my understanding, or he at least yeah. knows the features pretty well. But I think you're right. This is much bigger than just who owns a Tesla and chooses not to use those features. The technology's in all cars now. And it's I mean, going it's, to it's, be if it isn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's coming up everywhere. It's in inexpensive cars. It's all over the place. Um, it's coming. And and it's an interesting question that comes up. I mean, look, this is going to happen in autonomous cars, right? Soon enough, the cars are going to be driving us around. If you start doing things to make them go faster than they're set up to go, what happens then, right? If you set up ways to say, hey, I don't want it to take an hour for me to get where I'm going. I want to get there in 50 minutes. Can you set the car to do that? Now what happens? So there's a lot of technology issues that are going to continue to bedevil us here uh, here in the Valley of the Sun. All right, folks, uh, I'm, uh, thanks for being here. I'm Barry Markson. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Barry Markson one It's uh, fun being in for Bruce and Pamela. 